Recorded live. Welcome to episode 14 of Scuba Obsessed. This week in the news, we have scuba divers trying to break the underwater tic-tac-toe world record. Foster teens underwater, scuba with paddlefish, pot in a wetsuit, and scuba, a sub that runs eternally on thermal power from the ocean's current. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking with a quarry dive operator, Rich, Rich, and I'm always terrible with last names, Sinowick. 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 Gosh, I was close. Rich Sinowick. So how are you doing today, Rich? I am doing fantastic, thanks. And then live from Florida, where I hear they have water warmer than we do up here, is Jim Kleeman. Yeah, doing? how's every... I'm doing great. How are you guys? Fantastic. Doing great. So, so Jim, you got. I, I see you got down there safely, and... Now, how much computer time have you had? You know, you obviously had to have been online the whole time. And oh yeah, it's it's just been absolutely nonstop online. Actually, this is the first time I've sat down at a at an actual computer um, since last Friday. So you know what? It's been a great week. Well, I bet I'm I'm I ha- I am not afraid to admit that I'm completely jealous of of you getting down there and keep trying to figure out a way I'm going to get down there one of these times. <laughs> Right, yeah. right. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty good. We've had uh, again this week was uh, scheduled as a uh, visiting family, um, but with some things around, we definitely got some dives in, and we can talk about those later. Had a lot of fun. Got some diving in with my son Josh, <clears throat> and uh, you know that's it's all good when everybody comes home safe. Uh, we had some good times. Great, and we actually have some activity tonight in the chat room. We have uh, Mac, our mentor, is online, and we also have another one. Uh, looks like Michigan scuba divers in the chat room. So, welcome. Listen in if you have any questions for Jim, myself, or our guest Rich. Go ahead and type them in. And and with that, uh, I understand, Rich, that White Star Quarry opened here recently. Uh, when did that happen? It opened on April Fool's Day, April first, on uh, at 8 a.m. and uh, we usually have a big group on opening day, and this was no exception. A little bit rainy, but uh, it was uh, way warmer than last year. And uh, April, it, we run April 1st through December 31st. You can pretty much have any type of diving that you want, and people are usually jonesing about the time April 1st rolls around, and, and we have a huge crowd, and then it kind of trickles off until the weather and the water really warm up. But, uh, yep, we're open. Till from 8 a.m. To, to sunset every day. So those of our listeners who are not from the Midwest, uh, where are you located? Um, White Star Quarry is in Gibsonburg, Ohio. Now, Gibsonburg's, if you, it has one light. It does have two banks, and uh, its claim to fame is that it's uh, uh, the lime. One, of, it's in the center of what's called the lime capital of Ohio, or I guess at one time it was the lime capital of the world. And what that means is there's a ton of quarries dug in there with some of them working and some of them are not. And uh, if you were to look on a map, we're in what's called Northwest Ohio, but, but basically if you look at Cedar Point and on a map and run your finger uh, west to Toledo, we're about a third of the way from Toledo to uh, Cedar Point. So we're real close to the um, to, to Detroit, we're real close to Cleveland, we're real close to, to, to Columbus. 
and uh, exceptionally close to to uh, to the Lake Erie and, and, and the islands there. So you, you've got a quarry, and you know some of the tropical divers don't understand that up here in the Midwest, that's one of our prime locations to dive. What would somebody see if they come to your quarry as a diver? Well, the thing about quarries that are fabulous, and and it's it's really funny because I get a lot of people who are hardcore who go, well, if I'm going to travel all the way up to Michigan, I'm going to do the Great Lakes, and and I and I really encourage that. But there's a couple things wrong with the Great Lakes. First of all, is that the cool things to see in the Great Lakes are shipwrecks, and lest we forget, there's a reason those shipwrecks are down there, and so you get weathered out a lot up off the Great Lakes. Down in the quarries, you don't get weathered out. You get a real stable environment. Um, and and if you uh, look at people who have, have gone to the ocean, I think their water tastes funny. So the quarries are kind of kind of it's a freshwater lake. So so the neat thing about limestone quarries is most of the time they're really clear, and so you can have Caribbean-like visibilities. Well, at least Florida-like visibility, and and still get um, and still be close to home. Uh, most people that come to our quarry drive probably anywhere from an hour to three hours to get there. It's 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 a place that you're sure you can you can dive. It's a place that you're sure of the conditions there. You're really sure that you're going to find somebody to dive with. Um, and from from May 1st to um, to uh, Halloween, we run a, a concession there on the weekends where you can get air fills and and nitrox fills and uh, rent gear if you need to and and that sort of thing. And and what we can also do is we've got a staff down there and and I'm fortunate enough to have a staff that loves to dive. So if you show up at closing time at five o'clock and you don't have a buddy, you, you're going to have three of them instantly. <laughs> so I mean they're they're all about getting people in the water. So Aries says, well, it's a rock rock pit and what's in there so you know if you got just a, a pile of rocks in the bottom you're not going to see much so what over the years um before i even um was part of this uh, they had uh, a couple things sunk there there's um there's a patrol car from a um a, uh, one of the uh, gibsonburg patrol cars they decided to recycle and put in there um there's a swing set which makes for some really cool pictures um because you can you can do some really cool stuff on a swing set when gravity isn't a problem. And right, a good prop. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it really does look cool because I mean you got guys that are that are able to do their there's a, a set of rings on there and so they're able to do their what is that iron cross without a problem because <laughs> they weigh nothing. Um, we've we've got the obligatory boats. We've got four boats sunk there, and uh, we have a pretty a couple of pretty neat things that we put in. Um, there was a one of the divers that came in there one day, he says, uh, I got a buddy of mine who wanted me to ask you um, if you'd be interested in putting a gravestone in the quarry. And and I was like, well, yeah, where'd it come from? Figuring he'd had it in his backyard or something and I didn't want ghosts. And turns out this guy is a, um, uh, he, that's what he does for a living. He makes monuments. And, and it turns out, I didn't know this about monument makers, but if they make a mistake, they just crush the, the um, gravel. And when I was talking to him, he says, "Yeah, I gotta pay somebody to crush the gravel, and then I buy the, then I gotta pay to have it shipped back to my house." And I was like, "Well, that's cool." He says, "Yeah, you ought to see my driveway." And I'm like, <laughs> "Granite driveway would be pretty neat, polished granite driveway." But uh, he he uh, he wanted to drop off a bunch of stones, and so he dropped off a bunch of these stones that had mistakes. Like one of the mistakes, if you can find it, the guy wanted a Harley logo, and he put a um, Cadillac logo by mistake. Oh. And, 
and so you can't tell it looks like a headstone so we put it all down there and it's pretty neat for night dives and stuff as you, you see this graveyard there's no bodies there obviously but it's a pretty neat graveyard but there's a there's leftover stuff from the quarry when it was there and that's always fun to find um we have probably the most unique thing that you can imagine in any quarry and that was we call it the crusher pit in the blockhouse and, and it's hard to describe, but basically what it was was a gravity feed machine where the trucks backed into this garage and it dumped gravel down through this grinder that hit a conveyor belt and the conveyor belt brought it out of the quarry up through a tunnel and then up through this blockhouse and then up through a, a gash cut in the side of the tunnel and then up to the uh, silos. Well, they when they took it all down, um, they left the foundation and so the foundation sits in about 45 feet of water, but the bottom of that pit, which is a big concrete room, is is about 78 feet to 80 feet deep. And for those people that are really indirect diving, you know how cool it is to penetrate something. This is just like penetrating a, a building. There's a stairwell in the corner, a spiral staircase. There's some machinery on the bottom still. But the really cool thing is that when the concessions open, you can apply for a permit to dive the tunnel. And what that is is that from that crusher pit, the tunnel that the conveyor belt went up through, you can actually swim up through it out to a blockhouse and be completely underground and out through an underground building, underwater building. And uh, it really is, is cool for people that are trying to do uh, rec courses they want to learn a little bit about overhead environment. Um, it's really cool for people that are trying to get um, get into seeing if they're going to freak out before they go out on a lake dive where they might freak out in a wreck. Um, and also the pictures are just fabulous. What people are able to take is you can practice not silting it out because it is in a finite area. You could silt it pretty good. Um, but the way that the tunnel's made is it's four, it's co four concrete walls that you can pretty much drive a, a pickup truck through. And so it's relatively big, but if you get three or four divers in there on a weekend, it's also exceptionally clear because all the, the siphoning from our bubbles pulls all the silt out of it. Ah. But that, now, yeah, how, I'm so sorry, I, how long did you say that tunnel is? About a hundred and, I'm going to say about a hundred feet long. I've never actually taken a, a ruler to it, right. but from the top, from the blockhouse out to the edge of the foundation that it is, is a, is a little bit over a hundred feet. And so I, I mean, do the angle, it's gotta be a little bit more than that. Sounds like a lot but of fun. It is. It's, it's pretty cool because I mean, you get some really good pictures in there if you're, if you're into photography and I, I happen to be, that's like my thing is I'm into underwater photography. So you go inside there and you can, you can practice with the light you can practice with trying to to, to make a good background. You can practice with doing some things that you wouldn't normally do without having to worry about being weathered out. And and it starts in 80 feet of water and ends up in 40 feet of water, so you don't really have the worries of, of decompression in, in the time. And, and there's, there's a lot of things that were left in the quarry as far as uh, rock piles and old trees and, and a lot of stuff grew up. So we have, there's this one part of the quarry we call the Enchanted Forest where all the trees grew up on this mountain of gravel and the bass like to hang out in that area and and we don't point that one out to fishermen if they come out to it because <laughs> but, but there's a but, but you can swim through the trees and it's it's pretty neat because the pictures are just again fabulous because you got a forest underwater that that's got zebra mussels growing on it so it look, kind of looks like leaves and a little bit of grass and then a bunch of fish in the background it just makes for really cool stuff 
Now, I, I went on YouTube and I saw some uh, video of people diving through that uh, the hole down there in the bottom. And it's much bigger than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty huge. Um, it's probably I don't I mean I used to know the dimensions of it because we were going to model it. We have a model of the quarry we take to shows, and uh, we were going to model that. So I have all the dimensions somewhere, but it's but it's in the area of a good sized living room, if not bigger than that. Yeah, it's it's not like you're you're trying to squeeze or fit into a tight area. It's a it's a I mean not not quite a blue hole from the tropics, but it was much larger than I thought it would be. Yeah, we put we put between six and eight students in there for advanced open water, and they don't kick each other around, so yeah. it kind of works out good. So, to go back a little bit, what, how did you come about uh, being able to to run the dive operations here at the quarry? Well, um, we we'll go a little bit further back than that um, to my, to my first uh, my first foray into White Star Quarry. Um, we're back in the 90s, and one of my roommates had gone. I had to work for the weekend, and one of my roommates comes back from a dive at White Star. And I'd never even heard of White Star. And he says, We were at White Star this weekend, and you got to check this out. It's got this building underwater with a spiral staircase and all this kind of stuff. So I was really excited about it. Fast forward ahead a couple of years, and I started teaching there, and it was really neat because nobody knew about it. And we used to do certification dives right there on the blockhouse or right there. They have a, had a sunk, um, sunken. Uh, boat and we used to do certification dives on top of that before they had platforms and then probably about eight or nine years ago they they started setting up platforms and actually it became a little bit more popular for divers um fast forward a little bit more to about 2007 they had the, the park district had it was uh completely based on millages and they have to go by people paying taxes and from my understanding is their millage failed and uh they were looking at places to cut budget and they said well the way we can cut budget is we we cut the people that are taking care of the quarries diving because we're not making enough to cover it and so instead of doing that they had brought a bunch of dive shop owners like myself in there and said hey we're looking for solutions is there anything that we can do and one of the ideas that popped up and it wasn't my idea but one of the ideas that popped up is let's let's open it up um, to bidding instead of having just a guy that there was a guy there that that ran an air fill station and all he did was provide air let's bid out the entire process of running the underwater park and they didn't want to give control of the park away but what they wanted to do is say okay for the 14 acres that is the quarry we're going to give somebody that's a manager of it and i i don't know if it's my title i answered to the, the director of the park and i answered to the groundskeeper um, the ground supervisor and I have to get permission to sink stuff I have to get the permission to put stuff in there but I get and, and I pay a, a lease basically to be able to have the right to put a scuba concession on the property and to let divers dive there and uh, I want it on a bid process and we've been doing it now for this will be our fourth year we took it over April 2007 so I think that's our third year we just did three years. We're going into our fourth year. Fourth Very year. cool. Yeah, it, it, go ahead. Have you, have you noticed any trends just in activity over those four years? Um, I, I, I don't. I don't know if I, I look at trends. I, I mean, I see that the people that come down there are really happy. And they're, 
they're pleased with what we offer. Um, they're pleased with the things that that we can control. I mean, the things that I can control are are things that everything's buoyed. We have a map of the quarry that's pretty accurate. Um, we've been able to sink a few things like new boats and new platforms and, and, and put a floating dock in and things like that. Um, but all that costs money, and that's kind of where the, the rub is, is that diving has, has gone down a little bit over the course of a few years. And I think that our focus is is that if you're going to get a time off, we want you to have the best time that you can diving. So we'll do things that, that are a little bit weird from a standpoint of, of dive shops. Um, the dive shop owners are now my customers. So where I might have been competing with somebody in my dive shop up in Ann Arbor, I'm not, I, I don't worry about my competition in Ohio. I mean, if people are, are, are not are worried that much that I'm gonna that that, that I'm gonna probably um, for take some of their customers away from Ohio to Michigan. They're really doing something wrong, and because they're gonna pass ten dive shops by the time they get to me, and so they're my customer though, and I've got to appease them. And so we do things like uh, uh, I'll give you an example. A guy came down, finally talked his wife into coming down to the quarry for the weekend. Um, had spent the whole summer, he had, he had come down by himself a couple times and says, I really want my wife to come down here, I really want my wife to come down here. And and so finally she came down, well, she came down and her tank was out of it. And we couldn't fill it. So my guys are all instructed, hey, you know what, it took a lot to get, guy, to get Mrs. down here, so give her a tank. And we'll just hold hers, don't even fill out rental stuff, nothing, we'll just hold hers. Have her put her name on it and sign the bottom, that's it. Don't worry about money, nothing. Have her, and she pays for the air fill like she was. She dives in a tank that's the wrong color for the day, and then they take it and go and do it. And if they want, we can do visual inspections too, but I don't want to take away from the dive shops. Um, the, uh, we make sure that, that, um, that, that the dive shops are taken care of. We offer free. Uh, instructors get in free if they bring students. Um, they get a discount on air fills if they bring students. They get a discount on nitrox fills if they bring students. And we, the thing that I've seen as a trend is more clubs and more um, organizations are using our quarry for um, diving. And every time I have this tendency to listen to people and try to come up with a way to solve their problem. And one of the big things that I found that everybody has a problem with is their families. <laughs> Wait, that didn't sound right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I get the idea. Yeah, <laughs> but the right. uh, but the idea is that that like like we have um we tried it last year and I think it went really good. But we do a thing called Family Fun Day in August, and and if it worked, if we can get it, if we can get all the bugs worked out of it, I'd like to do it every month. But what Family Fun Day is 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 let's say let's say you guys have, I mean I have young kids, I have twin girls that are four, and and. Uh, most of the guys that we certify, if we call up and say, and, and they drop out of diving, the biggest, most common thing that we have besides, hey, I don't really have the money for it, which is not that big of a deal because we can work around that. The biggest one that we can't really work around is, hey, my wife is having, I just had 10 kids and we're at home or what have you. Mm -hmm. And um, so we have family fun day. And the deal is, is that if you come down there with your kids, my wife and your wife will dive together while we watch the kids, and then we'll dive together while you watch the, while they watch the kids. And it's a real simple concept, and it's fun because you'll get 
six or seven dads around the group with all these kids and we do things we're not we don't we don't let them take over we uh we, we'll do like a chalk we, we color the rocks at the quarry with chalk these big rocks and i'll tell you that that can take hours we do face painting and that's always fun but but the kids are all into into doing the fun things with other kids and, and they can take care of themselves pretty much and we're there to make sure they don't go swimming or they make sure that they don't do something they're they're, they're not supposed to do but for the most part, we just sit around and, and BS until the time comes that we can go diving. And uh, that that's one of the, 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 the simple things that we do. Um, we try to make it, I mean, when you come to our quarry, because it's a county park, um, there's no entrance fee to come into the park. If you want to come hang out for the day and you're not diving, it's not going to cost you anything. The only, there's only a fee for diving and swimming. So if you enter the water, there's a fee. Um, but and, and we don't even run the swimming beach. The swimming beach is on the opposite side of the 14-acre quarry, and that's awesome because we don't have problems with visibility that, that some beaches stir up. And at the same time, um, that's something that the kids can go do that's really similar to what dad or mom is doing. It sounds like a, a pretty creative uh way to get around a problem that you know really does you know how, how do you sometimes justify time away from uh, the, the kids but if you can include them what a great way to solve that problem and 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 that doesn't that's not where it ends i mean you'd really appreciate you guys would love this is that um one of the first things we did was turn our quarry concession into a wi-fi hot spot Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you get everybody to come into the quarry. I mean, you go dive. You got something to do for the service interval, right? So you sit down, and right. I mean, the, 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 you got to get work done. So, I mean, I've, I found it that, that we're open Wednesday nights as well during the week from June until um, September, and uh, we do from June to September. As I go down there on Wednesday nights, and I tend to run it, but I'll sit there on Wi-Fi and be able to do all my work and get caught up on the week sitting there watching everybody else dive and maybe even get a dive in myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wi-Fi sounds great. So we just, now we need to get a promotion there. We got like a scuba obsessed banner <laughs> or something. Get everybody well, to download yeah. some, some podcasts. Yeah. Well, we'd be really, uh, uh, unfortunately I'm way out in the country. So it's, it's, it's like a <laughs> chip and stones as far as until you get a wheel, you're not going to get, I mean, it's really slow. I can't, it's, <laughs> It's not right. the fastest internet in the world, but it, I mean, it, it's really nice though, is because somebody can check their email if, if they're if they told their boss that they're working from home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, why don't you have email access at home? Well, I do now. Yeah. <laughs> at White Star Quarry. Right. But uh, but other things that we do, we do um, we do night dives on Saturday nights um, from May until uh, September. Um, those are really fun. Uh, the fish come out. The water's really clear. Um, the, the, the mosquitoes are ten, tend to be bad, but I think that's anywhere in the Midwest. But, yes, uh, sir. But, the, uh, but for the most part, you get to see a whole new thing on a site that you're real familiar with. And so we get a lot of people that that's their first night dive because they're really familiar with it, and, and there's lots to do. Um, the other thing that we found is that our, a, a wide variety of our, our diving uh, our divers are relatively new, um, and I think that's just great because we have 14 acres that's not much deeper than 50 feet ever. 
Um, we have two deep holes, 165 feet where the where the uh, sump used to be, and then that pressure pit, which is 80 feet. But for the rest of the part, part the quarry is like 45 to 50 feet deep, and it's not dark. It's really, really bright, so you don't even have to go that deep. And so we get a lot of people that come out and, and hang out, and at the same time, they get to talk to divers that are in their same peer group. Um, and, and so they get to explore it. And, and the cool thing about 14 acres is that's a lot of property to go and explore. So you may, you may um, just, you may see something you've not seen. I mean, I'm still seeing stuff I haven't seen. I got over 300 dives in the quarry. And that's always an exciting thing to do. Um, the other exciting thing to do is 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 um, sit and joke to the people. I mean, where, where you got the guys that, that figure they know it all, they, they go out and they do the dives and then they pop up and, and you watch them swimming back from the surface and you go, well, there's a guy that doesn't know how to use a compass. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have been on top of a couple of those long surface swims and <clears throat> you might be talking about me. So, yeah, that's fun. That's fun stuff when you realize how off uh, off course you really are. And that that's always fun because people who are jumping in the water, they're like, what's the snorkel for? The snorkel is for not careful navigation. <laughs> yes. But um, as far as uh, to tell everybody about the quarry, as far as really cool stuff, there's there's some other things that separate us. Um, and it's always a good, it's sometimes a good thing, sometimes a bad thing. But um, the park really does not allow drinking on the on the quarry, which I mean, that's part of uh, I think the aspect of diving. That's probably the biggest complaint that I get is, hey, why can't we have a beer when we're all done? That's not my rules. Um, right. But the big thing there is that that we get a lot of people who are not divers, and so they can come over and they can talk, and nobody gets belligerent. And we don't have to worry about theft, and we don't have to worry about things being. I mean, people are relatively good, in my opinion, and as long as you don't do some, I mean, as long as you don't have a mitigating circumstance in there, they're not going to be stupid about things, um, because it is a park open to everybody. Um, the 14 acre quarry is only part of the 800 acres the park entails um there's there's hunting on the park and there's there's uh, uh some historical buildings in the park there's there's hiking trails there, there's a lot of uh, geocaches on the park property and they've got one of the coolest wetlands that also has um some some rare and endangered species of fish in them and so that's really cool as far as being able to see stuff i mean you can see deer run across your path as you're bringing your dive gear in and um that's always cool and the other thing that that brings us is that we get a property that's really well taken care of they empty the garbage um they clean the uh the toilets they clean the uh the concession area they clean the the picnic areas um they make sure that if a tree falls down, it's not there for more than a day. Um, and they do a real good job of plowing in the wintertime if we have winter dives and that sort of thing. Um, and it's really well patrolled by the rangers. So so those are all things that are going for it. Um, and then having, if you want to bring your pets and your kids and all that, there's no charge for them. And that's a huge thing. There's a lot of places that are privately run quarries that you may have gone on. Or even if you go on a charter boat, you have to pay for a person to go with you. And right. so if you want to make it a family day, then you bring the mom and the kids and the grandma. And I mean, you can bring grandma and not have to pay for grandma to be there while she watches your kids while you and the wife go diving. And, and it's not an uncommon thing. And uh, 
there's probably 35 picnic tables that are all permanently marked and a bunch that float around that aren't permanent, but they're near each one of the picnic tables is a grill. So you can make a really big day of it. And the park property is thing that's dangerous in the park property is either fenced off or has so many divers around it that if a kid goes in the water or something like that, there's a lot to be fishing them out. Um, mm-hmm. There's, 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 there's also, um, and that brings up another thing. We, uh, we have a pretty good, um, track record of safety not to knock on wood not to to jinx myself i mean not to tempt fate but we have a an ems on site um that's part of the the gibsonburg and the sandusky county emergency system well they end up having a station right on park property so uh in order to get like if there is a dive problem in order to get to the payphone you have to walk by the ems place (laughs) so so it's 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 one of those things that people feel comfortable with it. Now, it somebody sounds... from, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, there. Somebody from the chat room was was mentioning that there's something across the road, some camping. Yeah, there's um that 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 thanks for bringing that up. Um, across the road, there's there's uh, 48 sites, and uh, I think it's 15 of them have electric and water. Um, there's a dump site on there. There's they don't have sewers under the. Where the, the, they're not set up for, for people to park their trailer there for the whole year, so they don't have sewers on each one of the campsites, and I think uh, th- there's, a, there's a bunch of reasons for that. But they do have a place that you can dump your camper. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's water and, and electricity on the, the big sites, and then there's uh, the rest of them are primitive sites. And um, they're, I think it's $25 a night for the, um, I'd have to look it up, but $25 a night for the, um, for the electric ones and $15 a night for the other ones. And if you're part of like a Boy Scout troop, you can get uh, permission. They'll, they'll, they'll waive the fees for big troops um, as long as uh, you're doing everything for the troops. And it's very a, nice. Yeah, it is. It's nice. Again, it's the same way as the par, as, as the quarry site is that it's a really, really well-groomed area. They cut the grass. They make sure that all the trash is picked up. Um, they, they have fire pits over there and they, they, they sell firewood. Um, it is, again, it's kind of on your honor. You have to do everything yourself, but the Rangers double check. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's a really good, good thing. There is a, the, 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 there's, there's, um, bathrooms on there, um, that have well water. I mean, they don't have showers, but they have, um, some, some pretty cool stuff there. Um, there's a big, huge field there. If you want to make your make a, a picnic where you have kids playing and, and throwing the football and throwing the frisbees and that, there's a lot of room, um, and, and there's a lot to explore around the the whole area there too. So that is all county park run, too, right? The campground. Right. So that's yeah. That's just an extension of the property you're on. Yes, it's a little blip on the 800 acres. Oh, okay. Very neat. Now, what what about somebody who doesn't uh, uh, might not like the camping? Are there any accommodations available in, within yep. reasonable driving distance? Yeah, on our website we have um, we built the website, and it's really kind of funny because we built the website for the diving, obviously, but we get a ton of people who visit the the quarry, um, and and we get calls at dive shops. Hey, I'm trying to call White Star Quarry because we bring it in if we're not at the the if the compressor is too loud or they they don't answer the phone down at the uh, at the scuba concession, it rings into the dive shop up in Ann Arbor, and so we get uh, we get calls all the time. Hey, do you allow fishing? And you're thinking for a second, wait, I'm in Ann Arbor and I don't have. <laughs> right, but, right. I mean, it's like yeah, we do, and here's the rules and that sort of thing. And and but 
um, we have on our website uh, a lot of um, of the accommodations, and I've got to update it for this year. Um, a lot of them will give diver discounts, uh, and we're really, really big because um, you asked if there was any impact that you saw from diving. What we've done is we're happy to say that we got a millage pass, and I'm not going to say that we've done a, that that's the diver's fault, but one of the big pip quick kicks we did with all the instructors that came down there is we told them, look, if you're wearing your dive t-shirts, make sure you go to the, when you go to the bar downtown Gibsonburg, you tell them, hey, I'm diving at the quarry this weekend. If you go in, into the grocery store, hey, I'm diving at White Star Quarry this weekend, and you make a big deal of it so that if a person looks on there and says, hey, I want to give funding to the park district, they're going to say, well, yeah, they, those guys spend a lot of money in my bar, and they'll right. check it off. And so right. we did get a millage pass because of that, and that was a big, big push. But um, locally, there's, I think we have uh, two, two major cities, depending on where you're coming from. I'm going to say major cities. One of them is Perrysburg. And uh, the other one is Fremont, and both of them are within a half hour, and both have every imaginable uh, hotel that you have, and a bunch of different restaurants, and a lot of really cool things to do. So if you're you're coming from the east, that would be um, where you'd want to go is Fremont, and if you're coming from the west, you'd want to be from Perrysburg. But there's a few that are closer. Um, that are more family run, and those are kind of fun. And uh, you go in there, and, and the second or third time you're there, it's like your family. And that that's that's kind of a neat neat thing to do. Sounds like a neat way to make a weekend of it. Um, we do push for many vacations. We do when we teach uh, out of our Ann Arbor store. We push our open water weekends to be mini vacations, and and we tend for, and we offer this to other dive shop owners as well. Is that that if they want to, we'll set up all their tanks and just rotate them out. And we do we treat ours like a resort when it comes to that. Is um, when our students come down, they don't. When they rent the stuff from the Ann Arbor store, they don't um, rent uh, tanks and weights. They're all at the quarry, and so they come. Oh, that's nice. Weights, just like it was if it was if you were going to the Bahamas or you're going to to Florida. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, hassling with tanks and weights is a is a big deal if you don't have a vehicle for it. It really is. So that's a that's a bonus. But uh, as far as our, our summer goes, we have some pretty cool stuff coming up, if you don't mind me telling you about them. No, nope. no. Yeah, uh, share it. We've got, um, we do a digital underwater photography contest, and that's usually done around the 4th of July weekend. Um, this year, it falls on July, Saturday, July 3rd, and uh, we get some pretty cool sponsors. Um, uh, the biggest sponsor that we've had a couple years running has been uh, Midwest Dive News, and uh, they're good about promoting it and good about giving magazine subscriptions and, and sending us some prizes. Um, another one that we do uh, uh, is our underwater treasure hunt. And we get local, the dive centers locally will bring or will donate stuff for for that. And it's it, it, it's fun to get t-shirts and trinkets and all that kind of stuff that you don't have to work for, but it's, it's, it's also um, a good time to get to know a whole lot of people. Um, this year we've got something new. Um, we're, we're, we're doing a, in July, on July 10th, uh, Aqualung and Sunto are funding a, are, are going to be sponsoring a navigation contest and a fundraiser for Find the Cure. It's a, it's a breast cancer fundraiser. And, and that's something new for us. And, and I really do encourage people to, to go and do that because the, the, it's, it's for a good cause. And, and uh, Aqualung doesn't do things 
halfway. They do do, do a pretty good job, and and uh, it's going to be sponsored by all Aqualung dealers. It's great. It's a win-win for me because uh, I get to I get to see a bunch of dealers that might not come out to our quarry, um, and and they're going to come out and see what we're all about. Yeah, and a little then, exposure uh, is never a bad thing, is no, it? Th- that's no, not it bad. Is not. No, I, no, I, I just not. I just dropped a bunch on some Aqualung regulators last week so helping fund that <laughs> <laughs> thank you um but the biggest one that we have i mean i think that that this is probably the one that i i enjoy the most is on uh on the saturday closest to um halloween which happens to be october 30th this year we have an underwater pumpkin carving contest and the creativity is amazing and and the, the the way the, the the rules are real simple. You can clean your pumpkin ahead of time, but you can't put anything on it until we say go. So you can't come down there with something pre-carved or something ready to go. So so you you get everybody that jumps in the water and 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 they have to turn in whatever they come up with. So they have to have a pretty good understanding of of how long it's going to take, a real good understanding of air consumption, a real good understanding of buoyancy control and where they are. And and it's just funny because the the beach and the uh, the entrance areas are all just covered with pumpkin parts for three or four days. <laughs> a horrible accident. <laughs> yeah, like the pumpkin tragedy. <laughs> but, uh, but the pictures—I mean, the pictures are on the website. But some of the creative, creative stuff that people do are just amazing. So. So now, um, does most everybody have them cleaned out? You said they could. I mean, is yeah, there they like do. A... Oh yeah, they do. Oh. Yeah, one of the one of the guys um, from Tennessee said, "Oh, you're just cheating." I was like, "How is that cheating?" He says, "Well, what we do in Tennessee is the river is moving a little bit faster. <laughs> we have to do it in the river. And what they do is they dump them all off the bridge while they're floating with without being cleaned out. And we have to go out, grab one, drag it down, clean it out, and then carve it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's it." Too much work. Too yeah, much. yeah. Again, no longer a fun pastime, but a, no. a chore to be done. Now, do they have to use a dive knife? No, <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, I. You can tell the people who do that and lose their patience, though, because it is really creative. Yeah, a couple of a couple of eyes carved in it with a mouth, and then the the knife is usually left sticking into it. <laughs> right, I'm done. This is it. Well, that that sounds like a really good time, and I, I think uh, White Star has gone from from off the radar for me because it's not real local for me to to one of those places that I've just I've got to get to this year. Um, you know, it sounds like there's an awful lot there that uh, that I can take advantage of, and I'm not a you know I don't have tons and tons and tons of dives under my belt, so uh, it sounds like it's just the place for me. Especially if you're going to bring a camera. If you're trying to get into photography, um, we have a, we. I mean, as an aside, it's a great place to practice because it's fresh water. It's relatively clear. There's enough stuff to see, and there's usually enough divers in there to make it worthwhile. Just from a standpoint of having people to dive with and models. But the big thing that I've found is that when you're sitting there chatting with somebody and you see somebody with a camera. Most people, when you walk up to them, you'll talk to them about their camera, and they'll they'll talk to you, and they'll give you pointers and all that kind of stuff. Because if you're not a student down there, you're an instructor or a dive master, so you're used to teaching. And and some of my really good friends um, have come from standing there at the quarry, and I'm talking to them and realize and, and realize that they are shooting for for scuba diving magazine, or they were shooting for for. Um, uh, 
some of the sport diver or that sort of thing. And, and they've become people where I'll call up and say, Hey, I shot this and this came out and what do I do? And they're familiar with, with, with where you were in the quarry. They're familiar with how it is. And it's just fun to be able to say, Hey, look, this guy got, takes pictures and it's at white star. Um, Neat. right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really cool. Yeah, I, I've just kind of started dabbling. I'm starting in the cheapest I can go. I went and found the cheapest camera possible and played around with that. In fact, there's a review of it up on the uh, website there. But uh, that's that's definitely something that i got to respect for, people who can do that and make all the adjustments. If you think it's tough to take pictures above the water, it's a whole different skill. In fact, uh, Jim learned something last week. <laughs> yeah, it's the the, uh, the concentration required uh, for the buoyancy. Um, you know, I had that pretty down until I got a camera in my hand, and then it all goes out the window. Um, I'm not nearly as natural at it as some of the guys who uh, who've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, we can talk about. We could spend another whole show on on just the the fun trauma that comes out of it. And the nice thing about starting with a cheap camera is you get really good at what the up to the point where the camera limits you, and you become really good at that. And the other thing is, is that in in my world, there's only two types of underwater photographers: those who have flooded a camera and those who are going to. <laughs> and if you're learning on something that you're not gonna just you're not gonna go stand in traffic after you've done it, then and it's uh, it's not a bad thing. Right. That could could be pretty expensive <clears throat> and painful. Could, yes. But, uh, but I mean, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to have um, people out there that are that are out there to do something and have a good time doing it and, and know that the quarry's there. I mean, we're, we're starting to see a lot more tech divers, too, which you, you, you kind of shake your head because it's really fun to watch these guys jump in with 400 pounds of equipment on a 50-foot quarry. Mm-hmm. But but they're out there to do skills. They're out there to get really really good at what they're supposed to be doing, and it, it's just amazing to to see them swim by. And and I think the best part about that is when you see like rescue divers out there practicing, or you see a uh, a public safety team out there practicing, or you see the technical divers out there practicing, and they're swimming with. I mean, and we're seeing a lot more rebreathers, surprisingly mm-hmm. enough. Um, yep. which is another big thing. And you see all those guys out practicing in a quarry because they're not going to get weathered out. They know that they're within uh, driving distance of, of uh, a Myers or a Walmart or an Echo Hardware store that they can get parts or fixed. They know they're within driving distance of a dive shop if they need to. Um, and, and they're able to the, – the, the, the thing that I see that's amazing is – None of these guys that are coming out to practice, I mean, they might sit there with $10,000 worth of gear sitting on a table, but when an open water diver comes up and asks some questions, 99% of them are like, yeah, I was just right there and I learned how to dive here. And hmm. you too can be, you too can be a tech guru. You too can look cool because you bought all this gear. <laughs> I mean, but, but it, it's, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like the, the, the diving community is one of those things that's always been a constant where, where you got those, those, people that that you really don't want to dive with again but they're very very few and far between most people are genuine people that'll talk to you and have a good time because we all have something in common and it is it is a great group of people the you know when i first uh, kind of got in you know one of the selling points for a lot of people was oh it's a social it's a social sport also and that really didn't matter to me so much but you know now that i've been in it and i've got some relationships from it it's you know that's really a great thing, and I've enjoyed that immensely. Um, and you know it 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 
it just adds more to the sport that uh, that's already so addictive. It certainly does. I mean, I have to say, I've, we've met a lot of great people diving and meet more all the time. So uh, it, it's it's awesome that way. And I love having people come out to the quarry, and it's it's uh, it's it's kind of um, it's it's one of those things where you you, you build a campfire over at the uh, campsite and you sit down with a bunch of empty chairs around you and they're filled and then you get a whole bunch of people that bring their empty chairs and then they're filled and then suddenly you've got a group of 20 or 30 people sitting around and and <laughs> and, and just telling stories and and the coolest thing that i've found is is when you've got someone who's brand new i mean just brand new and and all of the guys that are out there that have 100 dives under their belt have 50 dives in the quarry have been doing this for a long time or just sitting there mute remembering their story that was similar when the bluegill came up and got right in your face and that was so cool and it's dive number one and i just never saw a bluegill that pretty and before and and this person's getting totally stoked about something and the divers aren't going well i saw i've been there done that they're going yeah i remember when my day was like that and that's that's just a great time yeah the willingness to share with new divers is um it's it's really surprising in uh, in other sports uh, you know there's not really that there you take up golf there's you'll have a hard time getting some of the more experienced guys to show you the tricks uh, but with scuba you, you know there's always people willing hey try this piece of gear hey i noticed this try this next time see if that'll help you out it worked a lot for me um, just a great group of people yeah there's certainly go ahead Oh, I was just saying there certainly is in in when you have a when that that's kind of the thing about the quarry that I've found too is that it's mostly newer people trying to get excited about the sport, and when you get a whole bunch of people that are excited about diving or coming down there and they're 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 di- jumping in the water with beat up gear because they've been around the block or or they're telling about how they just came back from from Florida and then it's. Uh, April and they're jumping in the water and why you jump in the water if you just came back from Florida because I want to rinse off my gear or because I just want to have some fun I want to get diving I don't want to be wet and and the core is one of those things that you're guaranteed to get in the water I mean the only time that you could possibly have a break is if there's a thunderstorm and the thunderstorm is I mean it's completely up to you and 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 uh the uh the the thunderstorms, though, usually pass, and you're going to get in that day. So if your goal for 2010 is to dive every, at least once a month every month, the quarry is a cool place to put on your schedule because you're not going to get blown out. You're not going to get weathered out. The boat's not going to break down. You might go out, and it might be drizzler, but drizzly, but there's going to be a, um, a concession shelter there that you can stand there and, and be dry. You're going to have people that are cool around you and, and stuff to see. Win-win. Win-win situation. You said win. I want to know when. When are we going? <laughs> when. When-when. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, it's just going to have to pull out a calendar and set it up. That's what it's going to take. Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, please, please let me know when you're coming because I'm not down there every weekend. All my guys and girls will take care of you. Everybody that staffs the quarry is handpicked, and they're 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 handpicked uh, not necessarily for anything except for their enthusiasm to dive and their willingness to be there and take care of people. Um, but I would love to dive with you guys. Oh, That'd certainly, be a that'd blast. be blast. We'd love that. 
uh, I've got the camper. We'll have to throw that behind the truck and and head on over there. Uh, my my wife will be excited to go camping. Uh, I just wonder if she's going to be suspicious if I happen to mention if she sees the scuba gear in it. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> my wife, You'd... my wife's all into it, and it's uh, she's she's uh, she's real supportive. Um, she's always been supportive of me diving, even when we weren't, um, uh, even when she wasn't a diver. And uh, the, the story's a, a fun one because she never wanted to learn how to dive. And I started inviting her on the dive vacations um, when we started dating. And then uh, then she says, well, I don't want to learn from you. And then <laughs> I was like, okay, well, that's easy. I mean, I got a whole bunch of instructor buddies that will do that. So so then right. uh, one, of, uh, one of my instructor buddies stood up at our wedding and, and a guy named Rick Cruzel. And he said, uh, he, she said, I want Rick to be my instructor. And then, uh, no, no offense to Rick, she eventually came around to, to, to saying, well, you know, I think I want you to be my instructor, but I'm not ready for it yet. And then uh, the day I bought Divers Incorporated, um, about two days later, she says, my dad and I are going to be in your next class. And I was like, where'd that come from? Because it was complete blindside. And she goes, she goes, well, if I'm ever going to see you on weekends again, I better learn how to dive. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Yeah, you know that's that's true. Yep. And so now she she works at the quarry um, on, on weekends that I'm down there. Um, we, uh, we 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 foist the kids off on grandma, and uh, they love the quarry. I mean, if I say I'm going down the quarry to to go fix a compressor, or I'm going down the quarry, and they're, they're, my girls are four years old, and they're like, "Can we come with you, Daddy? We want to throw rocks in the quarry." And right. And, I mean, that's something that, that as far as a legacy is concerned, I'm glad to see that in other people as well. So get your wife excited about coming to White Star. And, I mean, there's stuff for her to do. There's uh, the, the, the camping's really good. The beach is fabulous. They, the, the park takes just as good care of the beach as they do of the grounds. I mean, it is, it is a white sand beach that's groomed. They actually groom it. And there's no glass allowed. There's no food allowed. There's nothing allowed in the beach itself. But they tag your hand, so you want to go eat lunch, you go out the fence area, and you go to the picnic table and you eat, and then you come back in. And I mean, they have they allow water bottles and stuff like that, but there's no trash. Um, there's three lifeguards on this little itty bitty area, and and they've got they get thousands of people there over the course of a month on, on days, and it's really clear water, really clean water. They're having a good time there, and uh, it gives your your family something to do while you're diving. And I think that's the big thing that people miss is if your family are excited about being there. I mean, some wives are content with having a book and under a tree and a, and a, and a um, pop next to them and, and that's all they need. Other ones, they, they want to do something with the kids and there's playgrounds and there's, um, there's, there's weekends where they have, uh, uh, the park has, um, naturalists come out and they'll show you where the eagles are. They'll show you some of the, the birds and they'll show you the snakes and they'll show you all that kind of stuff. So, it makes for a good weekend. Sounds like it. It sounds like it. Well, uh, the, what's the website for the quarry there? Um, the website for the quarry is www.whitestarquarry.com. And we also have a, a pretty active Facebook um, fan page. The group's okay. Um, the fan page is the one where we get a lot of people putting stuff up and posting that they want to go diving and, and, and that. And then... Um, but the, the you can access that all from whitestarquarry.com. 
Now, is that the same for your dive shop? If they go there, they can link back nope. to your dive shop? Yeah, they can link back to... Um, you can't link back from the dive shop for the White, from White Star, but you can link to White Star from the dive shop. It's it's one of those things where, when I said before, um, when we were talking about dive shops being my customers, I don't want there to be any kind of a cross thing where someone says, hey, I want to go to, to, to find where Rich's shop is. Well, they're going to have to find my shop by asking me for it. They're not going to be able to do it from the website. But right. my dive shop is is uh, is up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the uh, the Ohio and uh, the Ohio State and Ann Arbor rivalry in football. No, there there's no rivalry there. Yeah, there's no rivalry. <laughs> um, one of the Columbus stores, um, one of the Columbus stores, they were having a meeting and. Uh, one of the Columbus stores had a bunch of guys down there and right after I'd taken it over and the owner, the owner, um, was there and, uh, of the, of the, of the dive shop and he had all of his instructors and the, one of the instructors said, aren't you afraid that a dive shop from Ann Arbor is going to, um, take your students away from you? And he quite said, if you want to get one of my guys that are painted red and gold or red and gray, to drive up there into enemy territory in Ann Arbor just to go to a dive shop, more power to them. <laughs> so that that sounds pretty uh, vehement. That's uh, he's yeah, pretty he's, sure. Yeah, he's not. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan. I mean, I, I think that the the world would be a better place if a lot of these dive shops would just swap mailing lists and and, and forget about the fight between it because. If right. people are unhappy with me, I want them to keep diving. And if they're unhappy with you, I still want them to keep diving. So so do what you can to keep people diving, and that's just the way that I am. Well, it, and that's really the premise of our program here is just to get people diving. Uh, you know, you have two or three dive shops fighting over 20 students. Wouldn't it be better to have uh, two or three dive shops sharing 500 students? You know, the, 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 more, the more you can get people out diving, the more gear you can sell, the... The more activity, the the better this is. Right. Yes, it is. Right. Yep. Well, it's that time of the show where we need to jump into the news. Uh, we certainly thank you for coming on, Rich, and, oh, and talking about the it. quarry. And you're you're welcome to stay on and uh, contribute with us as we go through the news here. Well, as you know, I, I'm I'm headed out south. Okay. So uh, I will uh, I will I will talk to you guys again. I hope. And I appreciate Absolutely. you guys having me on and, and enjoy your program. And uh, I'm looking forward to down, downloading it tomorrow for my first podcast that I'm going to actually download and listen to. I've never done it before since I've <laughs> now I've met you guys. So I'm going to start listening to them, and I know I'm going to get hooked. Oh, yeah. All right. this is, if, you, if you like talk radio, you're going to love podcasts. Yep. Well, I thank you guys for having me on. Well, thank you. All right. Take I'm care. I'm going to sign off, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Ah. <sighs> I, like I said before, I just can't wait to to get out there. We're we're just gonna have to get on as as soon as we can. Yeah, you know, and again, it, it's it's uh, no exaggeration. Really, was kind of you know I knew about White Star Quarry, um, but I didn't really know about White Star Quarry. And uh, it sounds like it's really uh, really gonna be one of those destination things. Uh, I'm not afraid of driving you know a couple of hours to to go for a dive, and if we no. make it a weekend. All the better. Certainly will. Uh, and and we've we've dove in quarries before, so we know what it's like. It, it'd be nice to do a little comparison, see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So, with that, let's get into the news. Uh, for for those of you who were in the chat room, thank you, and we'll keep we'll keep going. Uh, also, a little bit later in the show, 
Uh, we're going to talk about some ringtones. So if you want to hear about that, uh, stay on or listen through. Also, again, we're going to have those website links in the show notes. So if you missed it, uh, you, you can go look, check up the show notes. It also gives you times of when different segments are. So if we get to blabbering, then you want to get to your topic, you can always fast forward. Not that through I encourage blabber. that. Through the blabber. <laughs> we got plenty of blabber. So uh, into the news. Uh, let's see, which one did... Uh, Let's let's start with uh, well we'll save that one for last. Yeah, uh, let let's start with the world record. It seems like every week we have a world record. So this one is uh, scuba divers trying to break the underwater tic tac toe world record. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, and I, I remember when we were doing our certification dive, that was one of the the things that we had to do was play tic tac toe underwater. That's right. And I think you beat me, which I'm embarrassed to say, because you know it's one of those those games that you should you should not lose. Do you, Do you find you have great pride in your tic tac toe skills? Is that why you're? You well, know? no, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm not like I'm a world record holder or anything. Right. Uh, right. You know, my my kids are always wanting to play and 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 hope hopefully trick me or something. But this well, is yeah. Uh, in the tradition we have of, of underwater world records always seem to be on the show. A team of divers in Australia is trying to break the world record for the longest consecutive games of tic-tac-toe while underwater. Uh, it's uh, Peter Webster who owns a dive business. He managed to convince 36 of his friends to help set the new records. Two divers at a time are taking one-hour shifts playing in the tank. Uh, so the current record is 24 hours consecutive. Uh, and they plan on doing a 36-hour stretch. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of tic-tac-toe. I wonder if they're going to keep score. Well, that's what I'm wondering. To keep score in, you know, is there like a certain rate you have to do? I mean, do that? are they going to count the, the number of games that, that, right. that are going to be done? Uh, the, it's actually a fundraiser, and they're going to have the, uh, the money is going for the Melbourne Royal Children's Hospital. So... Uh, the win-win all the way around there. Yeah, you gotta you gotta give a shout out to those people that you know step forward and do some of these. It sounds like a silly thing, but it's in the name of of uh, fundraising for for these charities that that really do a good job and uh, getting the name out there. Okay, the next story is uh, scuba with paddlefish. Uh, there's, uh, you know, and, and we've had our own paddlefish experience when mm-hmm. we were down actually at France Park Quarry. Uh, we met a, a paddlefish. Yeah, <laughs> I, yep. I remember you, you pointed out to me and, you know, I knew where you were. And when I turned and saw something there, it, it kind of jarred me for a second, startled, uh, just to see something that big, that close, that looks that weird. And uh, what this is, is is there's a strange creature, and it's in southern Illinois, and it's called a paddlefish or spoonbill. And, uh, you know, they're common in Mississippi and Ohio rivers. And the National Geographic crew, who's working on a, a show called Monster Fish, is, uh, needed to shoot them for an episode. So they're, head, they're headed out to the Merritt Springs in Johnson County to shoot the episode. Uh, Merritt Springs has about 200 paddlefish. <laughs> so pretty neat they're they're an amazing th- uh creature and if you know darren if you could put a link up to uh some of the video of of 
these things swimming, uh, they are amazing to look at. And uh, they tend to, when I've seen them, they tend to shadow you or, or, or just kind of be your wingman for a few minutes. Um, but they don't like attention. Um, they're pretty private. Uh, they'll kind of check you out. And when they're done, they're gone. You have no hope of catching them. Yep, and they're and they're completely harmless. They can't do anything with you. They got this big snout, looks literally like a paddle out the front of their nose, and they open their mouth. And they swim with the gills open, so they look like a giant vacuum cleaner, just moving in through the water. Very impressive. Something I never realized that we had in uh, in the United States until I started diving. Yeah, it's it's amazing what we see when we go underwater. Okay, the next article is about, is uh, comes from Florida, and it's foster teens are are using are being taught scuba diving to teach them life lessons, and uh, they're hoping that this becomes a trend. The scuba diving program could become a blueprint for expanding this life training, and there's six Jacksonville teenagers are in this first course, and they get wet uh, scuba diving. The, the idea is that they're being taught basic, the basics in a classroom setting, and then they go into a pool. And uh, from this, they're, they're learning skills. So the, the children are 15 to 17. And, you know, like all the things that we know that go on in scuba diving, we have the buddy system. So you have to rely on one another. So they're hoping these, these children who maybe n- might not have had an opportunity to uh, count on somebody, you know, they've, they've, they've pretty much been going from foster home to foster home, uh, never, not necessarily having any sort of, uh, parental guidance and they're hoping just to be able to help them socialize. I think it'll be a, a successful program. Um, we've seen different, different things, uh, in the news recently of programs similar, uh, to this, uh, you know, working through, uh, um, scuba programs to help build uh, confidence and uh, rehabilitation. I mean, look at some of the things that Dive Heart is doing. Um, but if you take some youngsters that are in need, what a better way to build uh, self-esteem and pride in self and confidence and, you know, getting to know and work with other people than scuba. Um, I, I think it's great. I think it is too. And I think you have to give these kids some sort of activity that they can use and try out and become proficient at and something to look forward to. So and a lifelong sport or hobby that they can enjoy. Exactly. Okay, this next one is this is a little unusual for us, but uh it has to do with uh pot in a wetsuit. And I'm not talking about tin cans, I'm talking about the uh marijuana kind. And uh, there was uh, a scuba diver, or an ex-scuba diver. I don't know if he's still scuba diving, but uh, uh, he was busted with the marijuana being smuggled in his wetsuit. And this was this was out in California. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. It was uh, you know. So we 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 saw the uh, the scuba divers using scuba equipment to smuggle underwater. In this case, it's a little bit different, where he had it rolled up in his wetsuit, and they they found it. The weird thing is, and uh, in Michigan, we're going to be getting pretty close to having this happen here, is that marijuana is actually legal, and he had a card for it. So so what was the issue, the transport? It, it had to be the transport. Uh, uh, this 
and you, I linked the show notes. So if you want to, if you really want to know the guy's name, you can look it up there. But it was an injured oil rig worker, and he had been prescribed medical marijuana. And what had happened is he actually they, was found transporting three pounds of it at the Sacramento International Airport. And uh, he hmm. was given as a as a punishment. As he was charged, so it must have been illegal. He's given a short jail sentence and a limit of how much marijuana he can carry in the future. Which, wow. Which is which is odd. I mean, what other penalty can you do? Where you, I mean, he got in trouble for just having too much of it. It sounds like. Ah, uh, yeah. So, uh, but he has a prescription where he's allowed to. Uh, let me see down here. It says. He, he on his prescription, as he's been prescribed, he can grow twenty-five mature plants and possess five pounds for yearly need. So I guess what the what their issue was is that three pounds was too much. Now what he was claiming he was doing is he was actually transporting the marijuana to New Orleans, where it was going to be made into brownies. So I'm guessing that. Uh, uh, baked goods and ice cream by his ex-wife, a gourmet cook, and another Louisiana master chef. So, well, yeah, I can't argue with the brownies and the ice cream thing. I mean, what better? <laughs> yeah, well, really? Now I'm not sure about the ingredient. That he, the, 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 the special the magic sauce ingredient, ingredient might be got, right. That magic, that, that special ingredient, but right. But uh, you know, the, the brownies and the ice cream, I got no quarrel with. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, that's a drug in itself, brownies and ice cream. Mm-hmm. And I think I've got some waiting for me. Mm. Yeah. So I just I just thought that was interesting. There just seems to be some draw now on uh, smuggling and scuba diving all of a sudden. No, I wonder if his, going back to the scuba point of it, was he thinking that the wetsuit would shield it totally? I just think he Must didn't. Have been. Maybe. I mean, because it didn't say if he was going to dive, so maybe it was just a smell. He figured that the smell of the wetsuit was going to be enough. I don't, I don't know. So, or maybe he figured, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe the wetsuit was a little damp and he thought, you know, who's going to bother looking through that? But anyway, he got caught and uh, now I guess there's an uproar out there about, you know, is it is it legal within the California laws to limit the amount that he's able to have since it's a prescription? So, mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll, we'll soon be having those problems in Michigan here as we've recently passed a medical mm-hmm. marijuana statute. Yep. And the last article we have for tonight is a Navy submarine runs eternally on thermal power from the ocean currents. When I saw this was a sub, I was thinking of Mac. But this currently it's too small for you to ride in. It's pretty much just a test. But what they're doing is they're taking these these motors and they're able to, by by changing like the ballast they get this to dive down and dive up and they've got these little hydraulic pumps that are able to use that difference in pressure being forced against them to generate just a little over a watt hour of power in one dive and it will dive four to five times in a day so it's theoretical you know other than parts breaking down that these will run indefinitely wow that is amazing uh, what what interests me when I saw this is just imagine what you can do with uh, test equipment. You know, imagine taking one of those and putting water sampling and temperature sampling and current 
and a camera and just mm-hmm. throw these out there. You know, like, I mean, like out here in Lake Michigan, wouldn't it be great just to have three or four of those and just let them go? You know, and they come up to the surface and beam back some stuff by satellite, go back down and continue on. Yeah, it, it in fact, that looks like uh, that's where the direction that they're, they're sort of heading is for uh, pulling data. And uh, it even says uh, bigger floats may be used in the future, or possible in the future, that could accommodate hydrophones or cameras. And uh, wow, isn't that something? It certainly is. I, I, I just, I get all geeked out about something like this. So that's, that's great. So, uh, as of this week, that solo Trek has made 430 dives. Uh, we're going to link to the article, which was being run in uh, popular science online there. And, uh, you actually can, there's a link there where when you click on it, it will show you the track that it's actually followed on a map. So if you want to follow it in real time, you can go ahead and see it. Well, that's it. So let's go jump from that into uh, some diving news. That's last week diving. And if you remember to fill you in from the the previous week's show, I was trying to figure out how to get to go diving without getting in trouble. Oh, yeah. How'd that turn out for you? Well, you know... You can never, I think sometimes just the thought of it will get you in trouble. But uh, I, I, I think I was, I was probably had it kind of worked out, you know, in, but uh, I got a call from uh, Bob, uh, the boat captain there. And he said that uh, it, it didn't look like he was going to be that, not that he wasn't going to be able to make it, but we actually had a thunderstorm brewing. Oh, and, yeah. So we had we had storms come through. Actually, they went north of us, so it probably wouldn't have ended up too bad. But you know, even if it doesn't seem too bad inland, when you get out there in the lake, it's it's awful rough. And that's it's a different story once you're out there a little bit. Yeah, it, it certainly is. So uh, I I did the right thing, stayed, did the family thing for Easter, which is a good time. But I was also taking detailed mental notes for next year to see how close I could cut it. See. <laughs> <laughs> the, the east see we, we we got there at one and we were the first ones i mean we were there hours before anybody else so, so you were running scenarios and war games in your head exactly to... you know okay what could right. we do so and it was supposed to be at one o'clock there was an easter egg hunt down at the park they call the grove and the kids are going to go mm-hmm. and find eggs well that got delayed by two hours out till three so I'm thinking, okay, well, I could have done it till 3. So, you know, I think next year, as long as I'm there by about 3.35, I'm okay. So I'm going to back plan that into a dive. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to try it again last year. But I didn't that, get a dive that, in. That brings up a whole new uh, aspect of dive planning. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't need to know your air consumption, but also your, your travel time. And, you know, maybe we need to have some spouse anger factor or something. Right. The, the in-law ratings and all that good stuff. Sure. Spouse anger factor. Yeah. What's it? The SAF? S-A-F? <laughs> <laughs> so you got you to calculate that in. So, you know, the due date time and then how many, you know, and it doubles and you get past the expected time back. and. Right. You know, frequency of dives in relation to previous week. I think we got a formula there. Yes. But since I didn't get a chance to dive, but I understand that you did. Yeah, we've we were uh we were able to get a couple of dives in down here. Um we drove down in uh you know my last experience driving down to Florida was not all that great. We had a an interstate uh, accident 
in Georgia, Atlanta. Um, that was a joy, but nothing this time. Thank goodness. You know, we were blessed all the way down. Um, the adventure started when we started talking about making sure that we had brought all the equipment. Yep. Got all that. Got all this Got all. Uh, my son, we had forgotten his certification card, his Patty uh, open water certification card. Uh, so that put us kind of into a tailspin. Uh, we didn't get to dive the first day, uh, but we did. Uh, we were able to uh, get some proof of his training and uh, rent him some gear. And we we went down to Devil's Den. Now, where we're at is in the Crystal River area, and it's on the Gulf side, about midway up the state of Florida. Um, this area is known for springs. Uh, natural freshwater springs that run underground for miles. Um, so not bed springs, it, but water. Un, you know, like no bed springs, not car springs, but uh, natural underwater springs. And uh, many people have heard of Ginny uh, Springs and, and all of that. That that same uh, spring system feeds a couple of the springs that we were able to visit. One of uh, one of them was uh, Devil's Den. And uh, I think uh, it is a part of the Devil's Spring system. Uh, Devil's Den, and there's another site literally across the road called Blue Grotto, um, are right in that area. And uh, really a neat place. Devil's Den is, uh, I don't know, Darren, have you seen any of the pictures of it? I haven't seen, uh, the only pictures I've seen are the, the little mobile picture that you posted up on Facebook. Now, okay. is that, is, now what, what is that? You were going down into... Yeah, what it is is um, the area is totally flat with a lot of sinkholes that drop down into these springs. Um, it's a really popular area, uh, spring systems for cave divers and that sort of thing. We're not. We don't have any of that training. Um, but we were able to drop in Devil's Den. Is It was a sinkhole that dropped down, and it, it opens up. It's probably... The hole to the surface is about 30 feet in diameter, maybe. Um, and then it drops down to the water level, which is probably another 20 feet. So you've got a cavern that's filled with natural light that comes down in. Um, and you've got to go through a small tunnel <clears throat> down a stairwell, down about two flights of stairs, to get down to the dive platform. And you've got to you know, crouch your head with your dive gear on and trundle down these stairs and, and get down in it. It's really a cool experience. You drop into the water and any of the spring water around here is all year round. It's 70, 71, 72 degrees. Really great. Nice, clear water. You drop in and it opens up amazingly underneath. Um, it's a neat place. There are some swim-throughs underneath uh, with the uh, – it, technically, it's a cavern. Um, it's got some spring passages, caves that go off that are blocked. They've got, uh, they've got grates in front of them, signs, and uh, so that uh, – it, it it's kind of eerie. You get down there, and the nooks and crannies can be kind of dark. Um, we had two differing opinions on it. Um, me, I look into those holes with my little light, and I'm thinking, you know what? I am just not ready to go in. Um, the flip side, my son, he looks in there with his light, and he feels the draw of going in further to take a look. Now, we didn't. 
you know, but it's, it's just that curiosity. And I was kind of surprised, uh, you know, that we had, we came away from it with different, differing, uh, feelings on it. Um, and it was, it was pretty neat. We, uh, you can go in there as part of, uh, as part of a, a dive group, Michigan scuba diver just asked in the chat room, uh, if we went out with a, an operator or we went on our own, we went on our own. Um, but any of the local dive shops run these, uh, guide services or whatever that you would want to call them the excursions and all the local dive shops you know you can sign up they can take you there and give you a guided tour of the place or you can go in on your own now it's a pay to get in it's a privately owned place so you go on and you go in and uh the lady that runs it uh i talked to her on the telephone and then dealt with her the day that we were there miss rowena she just a great a great lady and and uh was very gracious to us and and took real good care of us um there's some catfish down in there there's some turtles um it's really a neat experience so we came up after our first dive went in and grabbed some munchies man that'll make you hungry swimming um and then as we got set up there was a group of guys uh that had pulled up in, in trucks and vans uh, and they had government plates on. So I was kind of watching and seeing what was going on there. Um, after we finished our lunch, I went over and talked to the guy that had an instructor hat on. And it, it turns out that they were from uh, department of Homeland security doing some, uh, some training. And it was basically uh, some of the same stuff that I had done in my rescue class that they were doing down inside there. Uh, some of it was a little different. They were doing some search and rescue, you know, down in a cavern scenario. Um, and they, he showed me some of the gear that they're working on for underwater com and, you know, some of the new lights that they're testing out, some really trick stuff that was, it was a lot of fun to, to handle and, and take a look at. Was it, was it so a we, lot of like LED lights or? Uh, yeah, he had a couple of, in Tova had a, uh, an LED light that he was trying out and, uh, can I quote you the model number or anything like that or specs on it? I couldn't, I held it in my hand. I looked at it and, and I wished he would have let me dive it, but they were getting <laughs> ready to, they were getting ready to test it out. Um, you know, and, uh, some of the stuff. So we talked to, we got chatted up, you know, cold water diving and, you know, some of the things that they've been up to and some of the things that his guys are doing. And so uh, it what, was, what did he it, call cold water diving? Well, you know, he said that this was the, the first time some of his guys had been in, in the water since uh, the water started warming up. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, this is this is great. You know, 70 degree water. Um, I don't see how a dive season could start and end down here, but <laughs> exactly. to, to each his own, to each his own. Uh, so we went back in uh, for a second dive and, and took a look around and, you know, we worked on buoyancy and they've got some training platforms down there at various depths uh, 15 20 feet and things like that um did some of the swim throughs um you know some of the ones that looked a little tight because there are it's it's natural rock formations where uh, big pieces have come in and and dropped in and so you could drop into a hole straight to to 45 feet uh virtually straight down the opening is uh, the size of a car that it'll open up down it there, depending on how adventurous you are in your training level. Um, but again, just like scuba, 
you're responsible for your own safety. Um, I see potentially where if somebody got a little bit too aggressive uh, and didn't know their limits, they could get themselves into trouble there. But uh, but safety is your own responsibility first uh, and foremost. But it's a place I would go back to again. Uh, water was 70 degrees. Uh, we were in for an hour on both dives. Uh, what a what a fun time that was. Now, are um, you you at all interested in exploring it farther and getting into maybe the cave diving? Uh, eventually, uh, my skills are nowhere near where they would need to be for for doing any of the cave work, um, because that. Uh, as as I talk about our second dive, uh, you know, caving is big down here. Uh, Jenny Springs, the spring systems, um, birds underwater is a shop that I try and go to when I'm down here um, to frequent. We um, just because you know it's a family-run business, it's a it's a good business, and they're they've got a lot of history in in the cave uh, cave diving end of it too. Um, so to answer your question, uh, someday. My skills are nowhere near there yet. Uh, it's a lot of lot of fun to think about, though. Um, and if anybody gets a chance, take a look at some of the videos on YouTube, and maybe we can put up a link of a couple of the better ones uh, to show exactly what goes on. Uh, if you haven't seen uh, what the cave divers do, it's it's really impressive how well they can control their buoyancy, um, self awareness of what's going on around them, and with themselves uh very very uh very impressive people so we went uh we finished that up and and that was a, a great time and polished that off with a couple of milkshakes from mcdonald's because you you know still get hungry after diving um do you notice a trend here there's yeah, I, always I'm seeing a little trend there a little... right it's always food you know it's a means to an end um and then the next day, we did a little bit of snorkeling at uh, a place called Manatee Springs State Park. And um, that's a, another one side is a sinkhole where it's, it's spring-fed and it just has a furious current coming into it. Um, and then it goes out uh, to feed uh, and then eventually out to the Gulf. And um, Manatee Springs State Park is named because sometimes the manatee, um, which is a large water mammal uh, will make it up and they like to hang out by the springs when it's cold um, and uh, I guess the week before we got here they had uh, had some cold weather and they were stacked like cordwood <laughs> pushed up close to the springs where the springs were warmer uh, than what the gulf water was so we did some snorkeling there and then went back this morning and uh, and uh, took some scuba gear and we dove uh, the spring uh, one is called Catfish Hotel, and it's a uh, it's a sinkhole that's probably uh, oh I don't know 20 yards in diameter or something like this, and you take some steps down and you walk down and it it's just covered with this duckweed. Oh, it looks like a stinky, smelly swamp. I, I don't know, you know, the first guy that ever got in there to dive, I don't know what he was thinking, but it's great. You 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 jump in there, and the duckweed just kind of consumes you. Uh, and then you submerge below the surface, and it's so dark under there because the duckweed filters out all of the light, almost 100%. So you can't see the bottom. You can't see the sides. Uh, you can see your dive buddy, but that's about it. As the exhaust comes off of your, your regulator, uh, slowly it pushes the duckweed away. And just like the clouds opening up, you can uh, it starts to expose more of the water surface. Um, 
and uh, more and more and more natural light filters down so slowly you can start seeing the edges down to 20 feet down to 40 feet and then enough duckweed gets pushed away and you can see all the way down to the bottom in this case it's about 65 67 feet i think down to the very bottom uh, there's a lot of things to explore in there there's a lot of driftwood uh, and uh, logs and things like that uh, baby catfish we didn't see any big catfish i haven't been able to figure out why it's called catfish hotel um, but uh, it is just flat out a neat place what's interesting about this and to me where we come from darren the when it's a large hole it's a quarry or a pond or a lake or something like that but with the springs here you get down to the bottom the, the top is totally totally uh stagnant looking it looks like you've got a stagnant pond you get down to the bottom and as you're looking at it off to your right is a cave off to your left is a cave you've got water rushing in from the right at the bottom flowing straight across and exiting out the left um, with a force that you don't really want to get near the exhaust side because for fear that it could pull you um, and it's they won't allow lights for open water divers uh, simply because they don't want them to get too brave and uh, you know we talked about that natural curiosity and things mm -hmm. uh, but you can go down and and the cave systems down here have got signs in front of them when you exit from a cavern type system where you've got some overhead but you've got plenty of ambient light when it starts to transition to a cave, they've got a, a Grim Reaper sign up. And uh, I don't know if you've seen any pictures of those. Maybe I'll try and get you a copy of it where it says, you know, hey, you don't have the training. You don't have the equipment. The likelihood of you dying is very great. It's just that's what's going to happen. And they've got these posted in front of there. And as we're down there, um, they had some cavers had line taken off that we can see from a previous dive that, was tied off securely in open water, led through the cavern environment, and then down into the cave and disappeared from where we could see it. And, uh, you know, you get your imagination wondering, you know, what did they see down in there? What What's it like? How tight does it get? And all of that. Um, so we, we ended that off with a slow, a slow swim back up uh, and hung out, you know, did our three minutes at about 15 to 20 feet looking at different things. Of all things, you know, it's for our club members, it's not considered a dive until you find a golf ball, right? Yes. On the other side, I saw this big white object or big white object. I thought, you know what? It's an official dive now. I found a golf ball. So we swam over and we grabbed it. It's an egg. Somebody had thrown oh. a hard-boiled egg down in there. A hard-boiled egg. I don't understand it, but uh, I'm still calling it close enough to a golf ball. Yeah, um, the, the shape was, was close enough. We'll have to have uh, Matt give it a official ruling but i think yeah we're gonna have to get a ruling from the judges but you know that's what preliminarily i'm i'm saying it's an official dive so we we got up we we got out of there and that was josh's first time in in the catfish uh, hotel and uh, it looks like in the chat room um michigan scuba diver had been down there and it, it it's something that you will never forget i don't care how many times you drop uh, drop in there um <laughs> we've got a ruling it works. Ding. It's an official dive. Um, but it, you get up, you change out your tanks, you swap those out, tell some stories, and then you jump over to the other side, which in this spring system is the exhaust from Catfish Hotel is 
the inlet for this next spring hole, which eventually makes its way up to a, a river or creek and makes it out. Um, so we jump in there and it drops down and I think it was 26 feet. It's very tame and very much, but you get a full, uh, full understanding of the amount of water that it takes to flow down that creek or that tributary to the larger river. Um, there's some driftwood and things that are at the bottom that you, you swim as hard as you can upstream at, at the bottom and you hold on to this log and you know, the, the water pressure is just blowing your mask and it's leaking and you, you can't stop grinning because the, the water force, this <laughs> fresh, clear water is trying to blow you off of that, that, oh, wow. that log. It's really neat. You can put your hand down in there and as deep as you can put your hands and pull it up, it's shells, you know, fresh water, snail shells and things like that. Um, flounder. There's a lot of freshwater flounder that are, are down in there. Um, it really, really is a neat, a neat place. And, it's pretty tame as far as uh, as dives go, but I would say that it's a it's a must do for somebody that uh, has never been down here. Um, really neat. Uh, so we went up, we you know toured the top for just a couple of minutes uh, and uh, crawled out and raced back in. Um, and then for the last one today, we we did a really really shallow dive on Rainbow River. Uh, we didn't get up to to the part where the springs bubble up through the sand, but we did get a chance to swim over some weed beds and things like that, and saw some fish. And we did, we did see a gator right before we got in. He was a little one, about two and a half feet or so. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it kind of lent uh, uh, an interesting air to thinking that you know you got something swimming around there that might latch onto your fin or something no real danger of that but it's always in the back of your mind um, but yeah that that sums up the the adventures from down here really a good time uh, if I come back uh, and I will we're going to be trying to hit Ginny Springs up um, going to probably do Devil's Den again and uh, get over to um, the Blue Grotto which is another one I guess that's pretty nice so definitely would recommend uh, the state park, though that's, uh, you know, no matter if you don't have any inclination of ever doing any cavern diving or anything like that, close spaces bother you. Manatee Springs State Park is an excellent dive for, for all levels of diver. Oh, that's great. Uh, uh, keep watching the website because we'll link to them. I might make Jim when he gets back, uh, you know, put some some links on there and we'll get them out there so you can dive some of the same places that jim dove so you've got four dives in so far and you're going to try and fit another few more in no we're uh we're packing up tonight and i'll be heading out in the morning so oh so you're talking get... about next time you come down yeah next time awesome. we come down okay well next time we have to plan it where i can go down with you because i'm just yeah i'm just i'm just too jealous i mean and i even thinking you know we talked about doing it this last winter but we didn't but i'm even thinking that you know, I'm, I'm like calculating, you know, if we get enough drivers and everything, you know, we could do a, a sprint down, you know, get enough rest, you know, dive like crazy for 48 hours and drive back, you know, take yep. uh, both ends of a weekend and maybe get some in. Now, now, now those locations, how much are they affected by weather? Uh, you know, if you had uh, some stormy weather, are you going to be able to, to get in them or? Yeah, you're the only thing that's going to limit you would be lightning. You know, and that's a common sense thing. Um, everything is, it's sheltered. There's such small bodies of water, you know, you maybe inch and a half ripple, depending on who's entering the water next to you. Um, 
but as far as uh, any rules or anything like that, it's pretty much just lightning is the only thing that keeps you out. Um, and in, in this area, too, I forgot to mention, you know, people think Florida, they think the ocean. The Gulf is shallow for miles and miles and miles out here. Um, you would have to have such a long boat ride to get out to anything that's that's really uh, diveable in this immediate area that, you know, springs, the freshwater springs are awesome. Wow. Uh, I have to get, I have to find out how to get down there. So, uh, I, and, and it's been a couple weeks. It's almost been two weeks now. It will be two weeks since I've dove last. So, ah. uh, now, now you're, you're heading up when are you going to be back in town. Uh, we'll be back, um, rolling in early Saturday morning, I believe late Friday night, Saturday morning, I think Saturday morning. So you'll be able to do a Saturday dive. <laughs> well, I probably, I probably won't because okay. I've got some appliances I've got to install, but uh, I had been thinking about it. Okay. Well, no, if it, it, maybe if it's even another day of the weekend, but, uh, uh, that brings up, I gotta, I gotta call Kurt, uh, Kurt wanted to do a dive and uh i need to find out mac and maybe he can tell me in the mac room i hope he's feeling better uh when he's going to be back into some sort of uh diving condition but i'm trying to figure out some way to get wet this weekend so yeah maybe uh maybe sunday afternoon i can't set anything in stone but uh you know the weekend is two days long uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So maybe do that. Well, plus, uh, there's nothing wrong with diving Saturday and Sunday too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got those two tanks. They're meant to be emptied. That's right. Then filled, and then emptied, then filled. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll get out there. So certainly, I got to get some more dogs lo- uh, dogs dives logged on that that computer. So break mm-hmm. it in properly. Yep. <sighs> so. Uh, Gosh, did we do? Did we run through another episode? Oh, I don't know. Did you catch out the ringtones? I did, and I downloaded it this morning. I sure <laughs> did. So, so if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't visited the website, go ahead but off to the website scubaobsessed.com, and there's a category for the post called ringtones, and I post the first ringtone. I'm going to post a sample here in this podcast right now. And then, uh, you know, if you like that ringtone, you can actually go out to the site. It's just under 30 seconds. It's 29 and a half, and I have it in two formats. I have it in an MP3, and I also have it in an iTunes ringer format. So if you do a little looking around in your iTunes library, you'll see a category called ringtones. You drop that uh, the i the iTunes ringtone in there and you now have it available on your iPod. Uh, I think you can do them on your iPod touch, but I know that on your iPhone. So, Oh, that, that, <clears throat> so that brings me up to another point. Uh, guess what I picked up this week? Um, was it a virus? No, 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 thank you. <laughs> I've had one of those already. Okay. No, I, I went and, uh, picked up, uh, an iPad. You did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a little occupational hazard, so uh, yeah, uh, luckily it's something I needed for work and could justify it. Uh, I didn't even bring it up. My boss said, uh, you're going to get one of those, aren't you? And I'm like, well, I guess I am now. So pre-ordered one. Uh, I wasn't going to hang around Saturday because they're doing a Saturday delivery, so 
I had to wait till Monday, about Monday at four o'clock. I'm like, where is that? So I had to chase it through the shop. Uh, you know, we, we have a little opportunity there where things get delivered and, you know, they're trying to route their way to me. So if I was patient, it eventually found me, but I wasn't patient. So eventually did hunt it down and spent much of the last two or three days playing around with it. And I have to say it's, it's pretty cool, but the thing is, this is scuba obsessed. So I'm trying to think of what can I do for diving with this iPad? So ah. I, I, I see it as great for diving profiles. So maybe this is, you know, just for viewing your diving profile. I'm, I'm also wondering if anybody's coming out with a pressure kit for uh, a case. I, the thing is, I just don't know how you can use the screen. I know they've got them for the, the uh, iPhone. So somebody's got to be working on one for this. So. Right. And how, how are they working out for the iPhone? For those that have, have used it, have you heard? Uh, I've heard that it's been pretty good. Uh, most of them, uh, the one I saw, it has a bunch of buttons around the outside. And that looks like they've got a little adapter that plugs into the bottom. So mm. I, I think those buttons must somehow navigate. But I haven't tried one. Uh, they're a little bit expensive. But, you know, anything right. that's designed to keep the, <clears throat> the water out at depth. And they're real popular with the uh, tech wreck divers because I got those long right. eco stops. So I'm I'm assuming somebody's going to do the same thing with here because this screen's a nice size. So uh, when you're back in the area, I've got I've got it here. You have to take a take a look at it. But you know, I think, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm you know, I have a love hate relationship with Apple. I've you know my <laughs> my first Apple's an Apple II Plus, and uh, but you know, darn it, they they did a good job of this this product and what i have to say and i know this is the scuba obsessed and not the tech podcast but this is a different class of product you know i've got a laptop i've got a pc and i've got you know my smartphones i've had blackberries and i currently have an iphone this isn't any of those this is a device between your phone and your laptop so it doesn't it doesn't replace anything it's just another way to consume content Gotcha. So you don't see so much overlap that it could replace one or the other then? No, I mean, I would be, there's times where I've, I've reluctantly used my phone that I would use this instead. Like I was in Chicago yesterday driving back and, uh, you know, they don't have the 3G out. So I've got the regular one, but I've got one of these Sprint EVDO wireless cards and I use it as a hotspot. So I was connecting and I was able to map, and a map on this, that's the killer app for this. I mean, I can see uh, five or six killer apps, but that map was huge. It, it was able to, it has a compass in it, so it's able, it was able to track which direction I was heading. So it, it's, uh, you know, as these, I mean, this is a first-generation product, and it's, you know, there's still some room for improvement, but uh, it's it's, they've done a good job. So... Oh, gosh. Uh, I think I think that's a I think that's about it. That's that's about two hours worth. Yeah. Yeah, we're at hour thirty-eight right now, depending how much I ad- edit out and add in. Uh, but what well, we've done it. So uh, I'd also like to hear from people listening to podcasts. If you could drop us a line, uh, you know, visit the website, drop in the forum. Uh, how long should these episodes be? Is you know. I've heard some people say you can't do a podcast more than 30 minutes. 
you know, I think an, an hour is really our target, but we know whenever we're going to do an interview that we're going to go beyond that. Or uh, I like the fact that we can continue on and on. But you know, is there something that's too long for how you like to listen to the podcast? Let us know. Also, would you like an alternate feed? What we could do is we could divide these up into little mini segments. You know, and what size would they be? Would they be 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? You know, just divide them evenly in half, what have you. Let us know. Uh, we'd like to uh, adjust it to be something that you you enjoy listening to. And uh, thanks to the, the chat room tonight for the activity. Always love a good active chat room. Uh, Michigan Scuba Diver, great to see you hang in there. I want to thank uh, Rich from White Star Quarry for being on. We're definitely going to make it out that uh, out that way, so... We'll, we'll tell him and uh, we'll let everybody else know. So if you're from the area and you want to come diving with us, we'd we'd certainly love to, to meet you. Uh, also, we have Mac in the chat room. Uh, you know, Mac, let us know how things are going. And anytime you want to dive, let us know. Uh, with that, you know what time it is. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, it's that time. I've been that, waiting for this. And, and I think that's what some people do. Oh, that's why we did it is people are going to skip the whole episode just to come to the bad scuba joke of the week. And actually, this one was sent in by one of our followers. I had to edit it. Uh, it was originally a little bit ethnic-related, and you know, uh, I wasn't going to go and enter into that territory. So uh, you know, cleaned it up a little bit. So we'll, we'll try and get the message in. But you know, it's just a, it's a terribly exciting joke, and you know, if you pass out, it's not my fault. So, uh, yeah, this one was from uh, Tweetent, um, and you can follow him on Twitter. I'm sure he'd love to have that. Uh, but uh, so uh, let me let me find the joke here. So uh, what it is, we got these, there's these two scuba divers, and they're, they're, they're arguing over who's the best diver, and, they, and they've been at it all day. They're dive buddies. They've been diving. They get up, and they go, I'm better. You're better. And they're they're trying to they're trying to 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 see who's got the most knowledge. And uh, they've had a few drinks in them. And finally, one of them, he says, "Okay, well, if you if you know that, then answer this question for me." He says, "Why as scuba divers do we always fall backwards off the boat in the water?" And his friend just stares at him blankly and says, "Duh, that's obvious. If we fell forward, we'd still be in the boat, you idiot." That's that's worthy of a groan. That's oh. worthy of a groan. So, <laughs> shout out to Tweet and everybody else who follows. Right. Us. We've got uh, Van Mo ninety two. We've got Chuds 007 on Twitter, and then also, as always, run out in the Facebook and uh, visit the Facebook page. But uh, that's it for this week. So go out there and get wet and dive safe. And that's another show. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Ding.